Thank you, Caleb. Uh, check, yeah, there I'm on. So I want to take a moment to review where we've been, but then I also want to tell you what I'm going to share with you tonight is a wonderful, foolproof illustration. I have been privileged to teach it to children, uh, teach it to uh, uh, youth, as well as uh, all the way to senior adults. It's a wonderful way to make an application. So you've got another very much uh, hands-on illustration that we'll be talking about tonight. As we began this series, remember what we want to learn is what, how to be good followers of Christ, how to be a Christ follower, and hence the phrase that I've used, the term I've used, I invented, it's not real, followology, that's the study of how we follow. And so we've been learning how to be good followers of Jesus Christ. And we realize that everything that we do for him, to be a good follower, has to spring out of our love relationship with him. And so, you know, a, a person who's not a believer, you know, can't really be a follower because they haven't made the first step to come to faith in Jesus Christ. But followology is following the Lord out of our love relationship. So how does that look like? Remember, uh, we, we drew together the other week the disciples' cross. And we started in the middle with a circle. Remember the circle? And in the circle that represented us, that represented my, my interests, that represented my hopes, my dreams, everything about me, myself. And that for me to be a Christ follower, I have to die to myself to where he can be the so sovereign Lord of my life. And so we went to John 15, 5, remember? And Jesus said there, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he will bring forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So remember he said, I need to abide in you and you need to abide in me. Now, him abiding in us is something we're familiar with. We're used to asking Jesus to come into our heart, okay? But this abiding in him was something we spent a week or two on, what it means for us to abide in Christ. And our identity is wrapped up in him. So we begin in that love relationship of us abiding in him and him abiding in us. But how do we get to know God? How do we grow in that knowledge of him? Well, for that, we drew the bottom part of the cross. And we're anchored into stability by living in the word. And we went to John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so we dug into what it means to be in the Word and, and what that meant to us. But then, not only do we live in the Word, what we're learning in the Word is God revealing Himself to us. But then we express our love and gratitude to Him, and that was the upper part of the cross, in prayer, the prayer in truth. And praying in truth is based on the Word of God. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask what you will, and it will be done to you. So we began to say, what's it like to pray in truth? And so we had an illustration last week about the, the Scripture tells us how to approach the Lord in His presence from the Old Testament by going into the temple. And we were reminded that each of the courts of the temple was something that you were to do and something that brings us into God's presence today. So one way to grow in our prayer relationship is understand when we start that journey into the presence of God, we entered into the court of the Gentiles, and that was to enter in his courts with praise. We looked at Psalm 100 and the other Hallel songs. And so the first step 
in, in this particular model I taught you last week was beginning with praise, bragging on God for who he is. The next court was the court of the women or the court of Israel, and you enter into it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is different from praise. Praise is bragging on God for who he is. Thanksgiving is thanking him for what he's done. And the next court was the court of the priests. Well, what did the priests do? The priests there were offering sacrifices to cover our sins. So what do we do there? We confess our sins. We're, we're transparent with God about our sins. We repent of those sins. And, and we, we, we allow the blood of Jesus Christ. There it was the blood of lambs and bulls and whatever. But we allow the blood of Christ to cleanse us afresh and anew. Then we're ready to go into the holy place. And in the holy place, that's where <clears throat> the priest reached out to sinful man and holy God and brought the two of them together. That's where they prayed for the nation. So that what we do is we go praying for others at that point. We enter into intercession for family, for friends, for the lost, for our nation, everything there. And then the next step is to go into the Holy of Holies. And this is where the presence of God was seen to dwell. And there was the Ark of the Covenant on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, the Bema, the mercy seat where once a year the high priest would go in on the Day of Atonement and put blood on the top of the mercy seat. And here is where our petitions were heard. And so this is where we pray for ourselves. So we learned that this is one model of prayer, to start with praise and go to thanksgiving, confession, intercession for others, and then pray for ourselves. But we learned that from a biblical model. So I did that first, and then I'm going to do this tonight to underscore for you how important it is to build our prayer life on the Scriptures and to learn what it means to pray the Word of God, to agree with God what He says in the Word, and to learn to pray that, to pray from that sense of truth or to pray that actual request back to the Lord. So to do that, we've got to have a firm grasp on the Word of God a firm grasp on the Word of God. Okay, do this. Open your hand, make a fist, and that's a grasp. You want to get a firm grasp on the Word of God. So that's what we're going to look at tonight, this illustration, and I hope you picked up one of the notes, a set of notes. It's got an outline of a hand on there, so you're going to need that. If you didn't get one and you've got your book with you, then put your left hand down and trace it and then it's going to look like a right hand looking back at you. That's very important. You'll see why in a moment. Okay? So this is the illustration of how we get a grasp on the Word of God. And I'm going to ask uh, Jacob and Carol, did I get that right, to come and help me with this. They agreed to do this as long as they didn't have to say anything. Okay? <laughs> so, and I, so don't ask them any questions, all right? So if you all come down, Carol, if you will, sit right here. And Jacob in the other seat there. And they're going to be a living illustration for us tonight uh, about getting a grasp on the Word of God. And you brought your Bible, I'm glad, okay, because we're going, to, we're going to use that in just a moment. Let's see, what is it the Bible says as to how we get a good, firm grasp on God's Word? It begins on the pinky finger, the little finger. Up at the, the top of the pinky finger, okay, I want you to write a letter H, H. And then write down the finger the word hear, hear, to hear with the ears. Getting a grasp of the Word of God begins with hearing. The Scripture tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God.
So the very beginning of grasping what the Word of God is and being able to apply it to our prayer lives or any part of our lives is we've got to hear it. And this is why for so many, many, year, many years uh, the gospel's gone out on radio, the gospel's gone out on television, now on the internet, preachers preaching, people sharing their testimony, teachers teaching. All of this is so that people may hear because here's where faith begins. Over and over, Jesus said in, in the Gospel of Mark especially, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because faith begins with hearing. So you got the little pinky finger, you got the H, all right, and here written on that. However, that doesn't give you a good grasp in and of itself. Okay? Wives, let me ask you a question. How many times have you said something to your husband and he said, I hear you, I don't need to finish that illustration, do I? Okay. It's possible to hear and it never get into your brain or never get into action. That's true of all of us, you know, but, but that's true. So hearing by itself, though it's the open door, it's the way we start the process, that doesn't give us a grasp on the Word of God. You've got to add something to that because you can't grasp anything with the pinky finger by itself. You just can't, all right? So go over to your thumb, and on the, the tip of the thumb, write a T, and then down the T, write the word think. Think, all right? And this means you've got to engage your brain. If you don't take this step, let me tell you what's going to happen. The word you hear is going to be snatched out of your brain. It's going to be snatched away. Remember, Jesus told the parable about the sower. A sower went out to sow. And then the, dis the disciples asked him, what does this mean? And he said, well, the seed is the word of God. And when it fell on the hard places, the devil came along and snatched it away uh, so they wouldn't believe. They didn't have the opportunity to engage the brain and to really think about that. So the Word of God was snatched away. It was, it was taken away from them. They didn't have any way to use it. This is essential to link these two, the thumb and the little finger, together to begin to get a grasp. And this is so deeply rooted in the Scriptures. Remember Psalm 1 that talks all about the godly man, the righteous man? Verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And therein he meditates. That's another word for thinking. He meditates on it day and night. What's that saying? The word he's heard, he then meditates and thinks about on it, and that gives a grasp of the word of God. God is talking to Joshua before Joshua goes in to help possess the Holy Land. And there in that very first chapter, verse 8, the book of the law the Bible as he knew it at that time, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You will meditate on it day and night. And that's where the blessing was going to come from. That was where the blessing comes from. And in, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, where God is talking about what we need to be thinking on, or Paul is writing what we need to be thinking on, he said, whatever things are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report, if there's any grace or virtue, think on, meditate on these things. So what happens is, this gives you a grasp of the Word of God. Now, Carol, let me hold this for a moment. I want you to reach out and grasp your Bible just with your thumb and little finger, okay? Hold on to it. Have you got a grasp of it? Good. All right. Jacob, 
you get to be the devil. <laughs> I didn't typecast him. Honestly, I really didn't. Can you take that Bible out of her hand? Yeah, yeah. So you have a grasp, but it's not a very good grasp. To just hear and think on what you hear gives you a grasp, but it's not a very good grasp. Some of you will leave tonight, and that's as far as you're going to get. Because you won't engage the other steps. On any given Sunday, in any of our Sunday school class, Bible study classes, going on right over there in, in, the, in our youth and children's area, many will hear and they'll think about what they're hearing, but that'll be as far as they go. And that's all the grasp on the Word of God that we have. When people think, all I have to do is come to church and sing a few songs and listen to the preacher preach, we wonder why there's a shallowness in their lives. That's all the grasp they have. Now, you can't complain. They've got a grasp. <laughs> But it's not the best grasp. So how do we get a better grasp on the Word of God? Well, we're going to engage the ring finger, okay? The ring finger. And right up at the top of the ring finger, write at the letter E. And down the ring finger, write the word examine. Examine. And to examine the Word of God means you read it for yourself, you realize there's not enough power. I don't have enough grasp on the Word of God just by hearing it and thinking about what I'm hearing. But if I engage my eyes, if I engage my, myself to read it for myself, this adds a whole different dimension. This adds a much better grasp. We're going to see to that in just a minute. But here's what I want you to hear. This is what the Scripture tells us. Blessed is the one who reads. Let me pause right there. If God were to make you a guarantee, I will bless you if you'll do this one thing. Read my word, and I will bless you. Why would you not do that? God promises and guarantees you a blessing to just read his word. Now, he's talking specifically in Romans chapter, I mean, excuse me, Revelation chapter 1, about the reading the words of this particular prophecy. But it's true about the entirety of God's word. When we read it for ourselves, examine it for ourselves, we don't cheat ourselves, we enforce what God is doing. It gives you a better grasp of the Word of God. Now let's see how this works. All right, let's try this again. Now you get to use three fingers, all right? Just those three. Hold them real good right there. Okay, old snitch over here. <laughs> see if you can take it away. Yeah, you can still get it. How was it, though? It's a little bit harder. It was a little bit harder. Because she had, what, a better grasp on the Word of God. Satan is not as likely to be able to snatch the Word away from you, you know, if you've got at least the three-finger grasp on it. So we hear the Word, we think about it, but then we examine it, we read it for ourselves, and as we do that, we've got this much better grasp of the Word of God. Can we get a better grasp? Yes. Go to your middle finger. Up there at the top, I want you to write the letter A, the letter A, and then down the middle finger, write the word analyze. Analyze. Now, this is a step beyond reading it. 
This is where you actually spend some time studying it. You, you, you think on it, but you, you go to the commentaries. You see what the commentaries has to say. The Sunday school writer, what do they have to say? Uh, you may even come and ask your pastor, tell me about this verse. Help me to understand this particular verse. One of my great delights as pastor, for most of the years I was at First Baptist, prior to coming here, there was a gentleman almost every Sunday. You know, He would come to me and say, Brother Fred, help me with this passage right here. And it was a joy just to take a couple of minutes to sit with him and, and for him to share what he was struggling with that and to, and to go into the process. But what was he doing? It wasn't enough for him just to read it. He wanted to understand it. He was, he was wanting to go deeper. He wanted to analyze it. And so going to commentaries, speaking to wise people, going to your small group leader, whatever the case may be, this is a way to analyze it for yourself. Now, do we see that in the scriptures? Oh, we do. In, in Acts chapter 17, Paul is on his missionary journey, and he'd been to Thessalonica. And he'd preached the gospel there, but he wasn't very well received. As a matter of fact, he got run out. Paul got run out a lot. When he wasn't getting arrested, he was getting run out a lot, okay? But then he went to a place called Berea, preached the same message there. Now, here's the wonderful thing that happened in Berea. After he got through preaching, those who were really intent on listening, they made a beeline to their local synagogue. They pulled out the ancient scrolls, and they analyzed for themselves to see if this preacher was on the level. Uh, specifically, what is written there in the, uh, in the 11th verse is this. These were far more fair-minded than those of Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness, and they searched the scriptures daily to find out if these things were so. Listen, please hear me. Just because a preacher preaches it doesn't make it so. Just because this preacher preaches it doesn't make it so. You need to check out everything I say against the Word of God. You need to check out anything that those internet preachers are preaching against the Word of God. That's what the Bereans did. They said, now this sounds like a great message. This is really intriguing. I'm interested in that. But I need to be sure it's founded and correct into the Word of God. And that is a right thing to do. That's a good thing to do. It is not an insult, you know, for you to go to a pastor or a deacon or one of your teachers and say, now really, I don't understand this. You said so and so, but I read in my Bible right here. Okay, that's okay. Do that. Do that with me. Do that with anyone. That's being discerning. That's what the scripture wants you to do. As a matter of fact, one of the ways that Paul bragged on young Timothy in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said, be diligent to present yourselves approved by God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means he, he would be careful to, to analyze this for himself and to know the truth of it. So we hear and we think about it, but then we read it for ourselves and then we analyze it. So, all right, we're getting better here. Let's try this one more time. Reach there and get it with everything except the... All right, now, old scratch, give it again. See what you can do. Can you get it away from her? Boy, I tell you what, it's getting tougher, isn't it? It's getting tougher. It is. It's tougher for Satan to snatch the word out of your heart, out of your life, if you are not only listening, not only thinking, but you're reading it for yourself and you're analyzing it, you're studying as well. 
But hey, we've got some more to go, don't we? <laughs> All right. Let's get all five fingers involved. On your pointer finger, right at the top of that, the letter R. The letter R. And then down that, write the word remember. Remember. This begins the process of ingraining the Word of God in your mind, in your brain. This is key. This is central. In the middle of your Bible, we have the book of Psalms. And in Psalm 119, the longest one in the Bible, we have a word there in, in verse 18. And it says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. When you put the word of God in your brain, when you memorize it, even if you can't get it absolutely right every time, when you put it up here, this is a vast library, okay? It's a vast library, and what you put in there of the Word of God, Holy Spirit can reach and get any time He wants to, to bring it to your attention and to apply it to what's going on in your very life right there. It may be about you, it may be somebody else, it may be the world system in which we live. But this is the key. So the next thing is begin to commit some of this to memory. Now, you don't have to, you don't have to get every word right sometimes. Just, just you get, it, get the sense of it, okay? I think it's good to memorize it word for word and do it in the, in the same translation all the time to where you can go back and you can pick up on that. But when we memorize the Word of God and hide it in our hearts, this becomes an impregnable fortress. I, I had a dear friend. As a matter of fact, he came here a time or two. Well, we, we, he went on a mission trip with us. But he was... Um, uh, he, he worked in some heavy-duty welding, and he was badly, badly uh, electrocuted at one point. He couldn't remember his wife's name. He couldn't remember his children. He couldn't remember anything. But he continued to recite the Word of God. Somehow that was so hardwired into his brain, he could continue to recite the Word of God. And that's part of what helped him maintain his sanity. The, the scripture tells us, and these words I command you today, that they should be in your heart. Deuteronomy 6.6. 6. Okay? So this gives us the best grasp of the words so far. So again, using just your fingers, your fingertips, grab, grab a hold of it there as good as you can. All right? Go over here. And now the enemy of your life here, have at it. Don't pull her out of the chair. <laughs> Now, he did get it away for her, and he was supposed to. He really was. I didn't tell him that ahead of time. This is, is good, but when you hear it, think about it, read it for yourself, analyze it, and remember it, it's still all up here. It's still all up here. How do we get it here? Okay? It's important to have it here, but we've got to get it here. Here's the step. Look into the palm of the hand you've got right there and write the word apply. A-P-P-L-Y, apply. To apply means that you do the word. You put it into practice. Whatever it is that it says, it may be changing an attitude, it may be correcting sin in your life, uh, it may be get, letting you know what the passion of God is for you, right? whatever it is. You do what the Word says. It's a far cry more than just thinking about it. I, I want you to listen to Jesus. 
Listen to what he says in, in a, one of his most wonderful parables. We find it in Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 46. He asked a question. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do the things I've told you? Let me tell you like what you're like. You're like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on a rock. And when the floods rose and the stream beat vehemently against his house, it could not shake it because it was founded on the rock. So here he hears my word and does them, applies them. He's built on the rock. But he who heard it and did not do it, did not apply it, He's like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation. And when the, the stream beat it vehemently, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. What is Jesus saying? There is a connection that you and I have to make from just knowing what the Word of God says to doing what the Word of God says. As a matter of fact, James made a startling statement. Let me give you the reference because I want to get it right. Yeah, James chapter 1, verse 22. He said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You and I are self-deceived if we think we can just hear the word and not doing. How is it we're deceiving? We're thinking that we've done all that God wants us to do and we've got this thing covered. No. Until it's fleshed out in our lives, it's not complete. So the process is along the palm of your hand and with the spine of the Bible. Okay? Put that in your hand, all the way against it. All right? Have at it, son. <laughs> it's not happening easy. If it wasn't a slick Bible, he'd never get it anyway. <laughs> and, and so here's what I want you to see. Your grasp on the Word of God, your ability to have it at your fingertips, to use it, dramatically increases when you hear it, think about it, and when you examine it, read it for yourself, you analyze it, you study it, you, you put it to memory, and you apply it. You see what that says across your fingertips? Heart. You've got it in your heart when you do it like this. Now, why is that so important? When you come to the Lord in prayer and you spent this time getting to know Him in the Word, your prayers are going to be in keeping with what the Word of God says. This is the progression. This is what unites these thoughts together. So what was it that verse 7 says of John 15? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you ask what you will and it would be done unto you. So what is that saying? I'm growing out of my love relationship with God. I'm basing my requests on God's love for me. I'm praying out of the, what the scriptures teach me and reveals me about God and reveals about myself. And so what I'm asking is in keeping with the love relationship and the abiding and what the word is teaching me. I don't know about you, but that narrows my prayer life a lot. It, it helps me get out of my selfishness. It helps my prayers be more about others. And it helps it to be, you've heard these phrases before, in the name of Christ or according to the will of Christ. This is what is rooted in right here. And so we call this God's, God's word in head and heart. 
God's word in head and heart. You want to get it in your head, you've got to get the grasp of it, but with application comes by putting it in our heart. And again, like, it is so very, very simple to do. You can go out of here and you can teach it to your children or grandchildren. You can teach it to your, to your teenagers and they'll grasp this. And it, but it is so deep. It's like so much of the word of God. It's simple, but it's also very, very deep. The more we apply it and do it. Thank you so much. Give them a hand for helping out. They didn't know what they were getting into up here. Y'all were so gracious to let me pick on you there. And so this, here's our assignment for tonight. I hope you tried praying according to the pattern we used last week. That starting with praise and then thanksgiving, confession, intercession, and petition. I hope you practice that. If we were doing this in a small group, you know, I would actually say, you know, okay, Bruce, tell me about your prayer life this last week. Tell me how you use this and how it blessed you. But in a big group like this, we can't do that. So I'm giving you tools only. I can't check up on you. We can't have the small group dynamic. But again, you're receiving the tools that are necessary. So here are the tools you have for tonight. Use your whole hand to use your whole head to get the whole word in your heart. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for this simple little exercise that has meant so much to me that I've been able to sit with my grandchildren to talk about, my boys as they were growing up. And I've used it so many times, you know, in, in, in teaching and in preaching and especially in, in followology. What a joy it is to see how this just grows. And, and it just makes such sense because it's just doing the scriptures. It's just doing what you have told us to do. So, Lord, I thank you for Avery Willis and for so many others that have come up with these illustrations and helped me over the years to understand and grasp what being a follower of Christ is all about. And, Lord, thank you for the privilege of sharing that with those that I love and I'm going to love more every, every day. As we come before you and pray tonight, we continue to pray uh, all the more for our search team and all of the great work that they're doing. And we pray supernatural blessings on each and every one of them and on the candidate that God is, that you're bringing to their attention. And we just ask you just to bathe that entire process with your spirit and with your grace and with your mercy. Because we, we, want, we want the man of God that you've chosen to be our pastor. And we just, we're loving him already. And until we, we see the shape of his face, we're, we're holding him in our heart. And one day that, that, that silhouette we've held in our heart, we'll see, hey, that's the guy right there. Lord, continue to bless till that time comes. And thank you, Lord, that we can go forth from here applying your word in a way we thought we never would know. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Bless you tonight.